Welcome to Imagine That. Your host is Dr. Miriam Franco. Today, we'll discover the power of imagination to relax and discuss many of the ways it can help solve problems, improve your health, and more. Imagination is a healthy, powerful tool that, when applied to a concern, becomes a powerful ally that we can all benefit from. Now, here is Dr. Miriam Franco. Welcome to Imagine That. I'm Dr. Miriam Franco, your host. As a psychologist and guided imagery specialist, I have witnessed the power of our imagination to help us reduce pain, let go of stress, prepare for challenging life events, improve health, and coping. As Albert Einstein said, first we imagine it, then we create it. Each week on Imagine That, I interview healthcare professionals, wellness experts, teachers, artists, and community leaders who apply innovative ways to use the power of imagination to relax, cope, perform, and learn. Today, we explore Drawn to Intuition with our guest, Marianne Mitchell, an accomplished abstract artist who has developed a method of teaching painting and creativity to non-artists and even medical students. Her paintings offer a sense of harmony, while her artist mastery practice helps artists develop their authentic voice, skills, and confidence so they can be the artists they wish to be. Marianne obtained her BFA from Washington University in St. Louis, with postgraduate work in Japan, China, and the Vermont Studio Center. In addition to being a nationally known teaching artist at leading art institutions, Marianne has taught the practice of making abstract art at Drexel University College of Medicine. She resides in Philadelphia and has a professional presence also in Denver, Colorado. Welcome to Imagine That, Marianne, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Miriam. I'm very excited to be talking with you today about my favorite subject. <laughs> Wonderful. So throughout today's episode, Marianne and I will be discussing how activating artistic expression can promote personal reflection, adaptability, and innovation, all extremely valuable resources. But before we do so, I'd like our listeners to learn a little more about you, Marianne. So many artists are naturally absorbed in producing their own body of work and sustaining their livelihoods through their art. So what led you to teaching others to paint and to expand their creative capacities? Well, like so many things in our lives, we find ourselves in a place without full determination and as a as a painter as an artist we are always looking for ways to uh, make our art and support ourselves as artists so at one point about 20 some odd years ago I said uh, I really need to start teaching as a supplemental way of making my income be more 
productive for me. <laughs> so I found outlets for teaching, mostly the Mainline Arts Center here in Haverford, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. I had never taught before, and I went into my first day teaching without a shred of nervousness or actual present, uh, preparation either. Hmm. And it just felt like I'd been doing it my entire life. And I realized that in teaching others, I was also teaching myself about myself as a person, what I've learned from painting all these years and how to impart that wisdom to others. So it was really transformative both for those that I'm teaching as well as for myself. I imagine, though, highly intuitive yourself. And from what I understand, you grew up in quite the artistic environment. So you may have been naturally propelled towards artistic expression and ability. Yet, in the course of teaching others, it can become so challenging to just translate what you know how to do so well. That's true, Miriam. I, my parents were both architects, and I grew up in a house that they designed and built just outside of Chestnut Hill in Philadelphia on land that had streams and woods and meadows. And so I was encouraged to go outside and play and use my imagination, which plays right into what you're trying to support here. And so I had parents who were very supportive of uh, my creative imagination and also sent me to an academic, very rigorous academic school. So I would say that throughout the course of my young life, there was this duality between being steeped in, in intuitive imagination and expression and being harnessed in a rigorous academic structure. And I think that's what led me to understand how the two ways of thinking, the linear logic way of thinking, which is the way we're taught in school, and my intuitive, nonlinear, imaginative, creative world could work together to create something whole. So, uh, and of course, these two different capacities are important in their own right and, and also when they're better integrated in a process. Do you think it wasn't until you were teaching this in a more conscious and conscientious way with others that you recognized how much integration you yourself had between your logical, sequential reasoning capacities and your greater artistic, symbolic, intuitive capacities? Absolutely. I was astounded. First of all, I, I didn't know how much I knew. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think we all fall prey to the stereotype of artists as just very creative, you know, um, sort of um, expansively creative souls. <laughs> well, I think that's true. And we, all of us, as we go along the path of our life, discover what we're good at and what we're not so good at. And I discovered... I mean, all along, I thought I really wasn't a very talented artist. I didn't think I was particularly smart. I 
having been in a academic environment in high school where one of my classmates is became a, a Nobel Prize winner in science. So I was surrounded by really brilliant people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I didn't see myself that way. And then when I started teaching, people were reflecting back to me, oh my gosh, you're your ideas are so brilliant and you're just so smart and innovative. And I just never saw myself that way. Yes, you were just doing what you knew to do. Right. So one of the things I discovered, the biggest thing I discovered was that actually I have a gift for being able to intuit what needs to happen or what needs to be explained or what's going on with a person and then to verbally articulate and clarify clearly what that is. So the, the translation process between intuition and explanation for me is something I'm good at. Yes, but I find also as a um, psychotherapist and someone very interested in doing a lot of symbolic decoding work in people's feeling life and behavior, I find people always have more data about themselves than they know or know how to access. They're so, so used to starting out with stereotypical, cliched information about themselves, but they don't know how to unpack it. You have to put it into some sort of... Um, more integrated vocabulary. Oh, I, I also have discovered that in working with artists individually, that they have very little confidence and knowledge of what they really do know. And it's exciting for me, as I'm sure it is for you too, to help them see that, to reveal it for them and help them see, wow, you know, you really, I really do know more than I think I know. Which is always wonderful. It's so empowering. It is. So, so let's pretend I'm a uh, retired uh, professional of a certain age, and I've never engaged in artistic formal or artistic expression or any fine art expression. And I come to you and I say, I want to learn to paint and create something. How do you start this process with me? Well, I developed a a method that helps people move from what I call the the concrete world, the the world that we know, the world that we have come to know how to control or that we need to control, that we need to have constants in, and to lead them away from that into their own inner expression without it being... um, fear-provoking. And Mm -hmm. so the drawing exercise is by setting up a still life or inviting people to just look at their environment and to start drawing what they see. But the catch is they have to draw without looking down at their paper and without lifting their pencil off the page. Wonderful. So Without lifting the pencil off allows it to be a, contu- a continuous process, and without looking at it, you know, stops the self-consciousness and self-editing and you know, exactly. st- stopping altogether. It immediately it, uh, takes away the ability to control what it is that you're trying to draw, because so many people come to me and say, I've always wanted to paint and draw, but I'm so terrible at it. I've never been able to make anything look like it's supposed to look. 
Mm-hmm. What this does is t- it takes the word supposed to and should be out of the equation because mm-hmm. it just is. And so it's, it right away allows a person to honor their, their own inner expression through line as opposed to trying to make it look like something that's real. Almost like learning how to color not within the lines. That's right, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like those coloring books we all had when, when young. Yes, so, which I loved. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so starting out, do you find it's best to teach this process in a small group or one-on-one? I mean, do you vary it with individuals? I find that small groups and one-on-one are best. I've done this with large groups, meaning over 20, and it's less effective Mm-hmm. because and and actually it may be less effective because with the larger group it's usually a short period of time like an hour presentation and this process really takes longer a lot longer than 1 hour for you to understand the connection between the beginning of drawing exercises and the end of how you make a whole abstract painting so Thinking of time, hold that thought, Marianne. We're about to take our first commercial break. And when we return, we'll, we'll explore even further your interesting process of integrating intuitive thinking with logical thinking. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. De-stress with guided imagery. I'm Dr. Franco, a relaxation and guided imagery specialist. I've designed an app, Imagery Work, to relieve stress and improve mood, coping, and performance. My sensory meditations are easy to use and promote fast, effective relief from stress in the body and anxious thinking. Imagery Work includes tracks for special challenges, relieve caregiver stress, defeat dental fear, stress-free bride, coping with anxiety with multiple sclerosis, mastering test anxiety, and many wellness tracks as well. To download Imagery Work, go to Apple Store or Google Play. To learn more about guided imagery, visit imageryworkcom To access Imagery Work, go to App Store or Google Play. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Imagine That. If you have a question or comment about our show or would like to share a story about how your imagination has helped you, send an email to Dr. M. E. Franco at Yahoo.com. That's Dr. M. E. Franco at Yahoo.com. Now, back to Imagine That. Welcome back to Imagine That. I'm Dr. Miriam Franco, your host. My guest today is Marianne Mitchell an accomplished abstract artist who has designed an artist mastery process to help artists develop their authentic voice, skills, and confidence so they can become the artist they wish to be. 
Marianne also teaches non-artists how to paint. If you'd like to learn more about Marianne Mitchell's work and her portfolio of art, you can go to www.mariannemitchell.com. If you'd like to learn more about her artist series, her um, artist guide mastery series, you can go to www.artistmasteryguide.com. In our first segment, Marianne, we discussed how you were drawn to connecting people to their deeper intuitive selves. We also started to explore just how important it is to connect intuitive thinking with logical thinking, not just in general to better ourselves, but in a creative artistic process. Uh, I'd like to return to this concept and the actual methods that you've developed and what you've discovered along the way with your now multitude of students you've taught this to. Yes, thank you, Miriam. So what, let's start backwards first. What is the end result of integrating these two ways of thinking when you're engaged in an artistic process or producing an artistic uh, piece, uh, painting or pastels or whatever it may be? What I've come to see this as is whole art, a painting that speaks emotionally to both the creator and the viewers. It's emotionally compelling when you look at it. It's intellectually engaging through the structure of composition, through the physicality of the chosen medium by the artist and the proficiency with which the artist is handling that medium. So that when the physical medium and tools that are being used to manipulate that medium is fully integrated with the emotional and intellectual message from the artist. When those three things are fully integrated, there's a a transcendent kind of experience into a place of wholeness, that, that your whole being is mirrored back by the painting. And you feel this sense of, um, like the reaction usually is, wow, Mm -hmm. I don't know why I like this painting, but I just do. And when you get that reaction, as opposed to, gee, I'm wondering what kind of brush she used to make that mark, or um, why did she put that yellow square up there, or, um, you know, the, the colors seem very out of sync to me uh, when when you're asking questions about the separate pieces of the painting the painting has yet to be fully integrated yes that's like a dream too when you're analyzing a dream <laughs> right you know, yeah. you're, you're being moved or compelled by um, certain parts or affective places that are pulling at you but you're not pulling the whole dream together as a lived state yet Yes. Ongoing meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I always tell people that, that it's important to recognize and then to know how to create something whole. 
before you decide, well, I really want to focus just on the emotional expression, or I have a concept that's most important, or this painting is all about thick paint and nothing else kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or moving just to color first. Moving just to color first. But in my experience, and I really came to understand this concept through my own paintings and how the world sees my own paintings and people saying to me, oh, your paintings just make me feel so, so, I don't even know, you know, Mm -hmm. or your compositions are so intelligent. And I would think, well, what does that mean? I don't understand what that means. (laughs) And then I would start to realize, well, people both feel and think when they're looking at my paintings. So there must be a connection there. And that speaks, that goes back to the connection between intuitive expression and logical structure. Mm -hmm. I find though that when people are really getting something deeply, even if they've known parts of it a little bit to begin with, they're really getting it, they're taking it in. It's often... Um, using more of their of a right brain state, you know they have to almost suspend the logical sequential reasoning tendencies first, like how did I get there? Uh, why is it over here? How long will it last? You know is this deserving of this um, it's and they often get guttural at those times like wow or yeah. i can 't believe it, or I feel this way in my body when i 'm looking at this. I agree with you, and yet I also have seen that paintings that lack a compositional uh, order, Mm -hmm. and I don't mean geometric structure necessarily, because there's all kinds of compositional order. It can be without a focal point or without any lines, but there has to be some inherent compositional structure for people to have the experience that you just spoke of. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, it's not like we're only in a right brain state or only in a left brain state. The two are always communicating. Exactly. And so um, so then how do you create this whole painting? How do you get to this place of full resolution and wholeness? And so I've, I've developed a, a method which I call four phases of going through these four phases to reach resolution and wholeness and I've come to see that these four phases are anybody can use this as a a way to reach a diagnosis in medical practice uh, a business decision to move your business forward um, personal uh, resolutions and decisions that you have to make to to move your life forward and so here are the four phases. The first oh, yes. phase. Yes, and, and, and please, when you um, review them, repeat, you know, number one, <laughs> number okay. two, so that so, we, we hear them in their separate parts as well. So number one, the number one phase that you get started in to move towards this wholeness is what I call reckless abandon, which is throwing, locking your your linear, logical, intellectual mind in the closet and just letting it rip, letting, just throwing paint down, choosing whatever comes, whatever colors you feel, 
you know, really operating from that full feeling place inside you without thinking. And, and I always tell people that you have to start in reckless abandon with 0% expectations and 100% kindness for yourself or it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You have to have 0% expectations for what's going to come out. And if you're judging yourself, then it keeps your intuitive flow from happening. Well, and also, this is not yet an artistic outcome. This is really an engagement. Exactly. You're just starting. You're just putting it out. And the longer you stay in reckless abandon, the stronger the painting ultimately is. It's like the longer uh, industrial designers stay in the um, brainstorming phase before they go into the prototype, the stronger the ultimate product is. Mm-hmm. So that's phase one. At a certain point, you stop and you step back and you move into phase two, which is critical analysis. And you stand back and you look at your output, your reckless abandon expression, and you say, okay, what do I have here? What do I like? What speaks to me? Does anything speaks to me? speak to me? Do I like anything? Do I like nothing? What's most compelling? Is there anything that's compelling? And you start asking yourself these questions that are really rooted in problem-solving judging as opposed to critical judging. So you're, you're trying to solve, okay, so where do I go next? And if I don't like anything, then I need to go back to reckless abandon. Well, let's, let's pause for a moment. So when you make the distinction between judgment and just you know, critical assessment, Um, there's a functional component you're suggesting. Okay, after I did this reckless, abandoned experience, uh, I may have used up a lot of paint in the process. What do I see now in the second step Um, that stands out to me and keeps coming back to me or has something to recognize? Right? Yeah, that's exactly right, Miriam. As opposed to, I don't like this at all. I, I... I've done nothing. There's nothing here I like. Uh, I'm the way I put the paint down is all wrong. I remember that I'm supposed to start thin, and instead I started thick, and so I've really got to start all over again. I mean, that's that's a critical voice inside your head, mm-hmm. as opposed to a problem-solving voice. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So um, um, I'm looking. At- at phase one and two, and um, we'll be approaching another, our second commercial break, Marianne. So perhaps we could stay on just stage one or two for a moment, and we can visit the other two in our next segment. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. De-stress with guided imagery. I'm Dr. Franco, a relaxation and guided imagery specialist. I've designed an app, Imagery Work, to relieve stress and improve mood, coping, and performance. My sensory meditations are easy to use and promote fast, effective relief from stress in the body and anxious thinking. 
Imagery work includes tracks for special challenges, relieve caregiver stress, defeat dental fear, stress-free bride, coping with anxiety with multiple sclerosis, mastering test anxiety, and many wellness tracks as well. To download imagery work, go to Apple Store or Google Play. To learn more about guided imagery, visit imageryworkcom To access imagery work, go to App Store or Google Play. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Imagine That. If you have a question or comment about our show or would like to share a story about how your imagination has helped you, send an email to drmefranco at yahoo.com. That's Dr. M. E. Franco at Yahoo.com. Now, back to Imagine That. Welcome back to Imagine That. I'm your host, Dr. Miriam Franco. My guest today is abstract artist Marianne Mitchell, who teaches artists and non-artists to activate their artistic expression, to promote personal reflection, adaptability, and innovation valuable resources for all visionaries. If you'd like to learn more about this process, you can visit www.artistmasteryguide.com. If you would like to learn more about Marianne Mitchell's portfolio of artwork, you can visit www.maryannemitchell.com. Marianne, in our last segment, you are doing a beautiful job explaining your four phases that are um, a process you use in teaching artists and non-artists to paint and bring out uh, an integration of their intuitive and logical capacities. But you are also saying that this is a process that could be applied to many um, important processes. So we got through the first two and there was so much uh, that was intriguing about stage one or phase one or two. Um, and I'd like to go back to that before you, you know, review with us the, the next, the latter two phases, three and four. I was finding myself wondering in that first phase called, you know, reckless abandon, where you're really sort of just letting your artistic predilections get expressed without, um, criticizing and self-judgment, that could take a while for people. And I was thinking somewhat humorously, that could cost a lot of money and time. I mean, you know, phase one could go on for a while, especially if people have been inhibited about this kind of um, expressivity. However long a person stays in reckless abandon informs the rest of the journey of the painting. So if you use a lot of paint in that phase and it, it means that the painting is going to be a painting with a lot of texture and surface mm-hmm. as opposed to if you use just a little bit of paint, then you can add more as you go or not. So I, I see it more as however much 
paint you use or however little paint you use is really building the foundation for where the painting's ultimately going to end up. That's a very interesting way of thinking about it because already in phase one, um, you can start to see the patterns of how people enter that phase and um, where that process might eventually land um, in their in their own artistic expression. So, what is so? Phase one again is reckless abandon, and phase two you refer to as um, a a more it's pragmatic critical. process. Yeah, yeah. critical. Um, critical analysis. Analysis, right? It's not. Right. Cri- it's not criticizing. It's really yeah, analyzing it's what what persists after phase one, and um, what might that tell you. Right. So you're bringing in your critical thinking skills as right. opposed to criticizing judgment. Right, um, which is a very important distinction. It is. So what is phase three? Phase three is integration, which is the integration of phase one and phase two. So as you go further into the development of the painting, you have to remember to stay connected to your heart and your, your inner voice, your intuitive voice, while you are making compositional and structural uh, additions and changes to the painting. So I always tell people that the phrase that best accompanies this phase is, I know what I want to do intentionally without knowing what I'm actually going to do intuitively. That's excellent. Um, I, I find that sometimes I'll do a little exercise, an imagery exercise of I get them relaxed and then I'll say, see your heart get off the bus. And they have to sort of then interact with what their heart may be telling them. You know, there's how they want to see their heart, and then there's how, what their heart actually is, you know, right. mentioning in the moment. Right. <laughs> and then how to have, how to just start to have some sort of playful dialogue or interaction. Right. And when this is uh, the best interaction is when it's uh, you can't pull the two apart you know uh-huh. and but what i've seen is that is when somebody forgets and myself too when i'm so intent on making the composition work mm-hmm. the painting moves further and further into a more uh, contrived self-conscious expression expression as opposed to uh, really capturing from the heart what the message is. Yes, I mean, that. I, I think we could say that also in athletic performance, in when people are trying to learn how to relax, they can't work too hard at relaxing. You right. have to sort of stay with a relaxed focus, aware, but still be in the zone. You know, otherwise right. you come out of it and it's, it's too contrived to um, where you feel you have to be. Conversely, if you don't employ some sort of intellectual structure or strategy you you know you stay in that place of um i don't want to say indecision but uh lack of clarity you know i think Mm -hmm. the clarity comes from the two working together Mm -hmm. that makes of course that makes a lot of sense and then phase four is resolution so how do you know when the painting is finished Yes. How do you know when you're there? How do you know that you've reached the right conclusion, uh, whether it's a decision or whatever else, or 
how do you know the painting is finished? And so... So that, that sounds like an entrusting process. I mean, you almost have to get out of your way again, just like in the beginning, in the first phase, that to end is, it. That's yeah. true. There is a part of that, but there are uh, what I call compositional checkpoints uh-huh. that help you determine whether a composition is working. And then the last checkpoint is throw out all the checkpoints. Checkpoint. How does it make you feel? You know, it might, it might hit all the, the um, bells and whistles on all the other checkpoints, but if you feel nothing when you're looking at the painting, then it's not there. I imagine this is where the group can also be helpful. Um, I mean, on the one hand, you could have a group of 10 people look at an abstract um, canvas and they all see and feel something else in it. Yet, I think what's important is they're all moved by it in some way, or many are. That's true. I do this uh, lecture during a, cl- a workshop class where I have nine oil pastels that I have made over the years pinned up on a board. Three of them are what I call whole uh, paintings, and the rest of them are some are more in- more bent on the intellectual composition, but they don't feel so much. Some are pretty much just color and mark without any structure. And some, it's very clear that the technical manipulation of the medium is in the way of the rest of the piece. And I would say 98% of the time, everyone from every class picks out the three that I think are whole as the ones that are whole, which tells me that there is a universal recognition of when something's got it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, w- I would think that there's something about that too, of um, even people's biographies. It, it's a story of their personal talents or experiences, but unless it joins or fits something about that period of time, or a whole cohort of other people that speaks to what they go through, it doesn't become a bestseller. You know, there has to be some resonance, right? Exactly. That's the word, resonance. There's a resonance in something that's whole, that's something that's fully integrated so that the, you are compelled emotionally and intellectually engaged through the physicality of the medium or the instrument, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. There's a full resonance Mm-hmm. So, how long, in general, is this artist mastery process, um, and where do people go to join one of these workshops? I teach at various schools around the country. Mm-hmm. I'm in November getting ready, or I'll be teaching at the Scottsdale Artists School in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm teaching an oil pastel into abstraction class at the Art Students League in Denver in October. I'm teaching at the Vero Beach Museum of Art in Florida in February. So I teach around the country in various different places, but really my business is, my strength is built on my work with an individual. It's the deep inner personal work between the person I'm working with and my ability to to uncover what they're about and then bring to the table the expertise of composition and color and and how you 
actually make a painting and bringing those two together. So it's, it's really, that's my specialty is working with people one-on-one. Sounds very um, rewarding. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. De-stress with guided imagery. I'm Dr. Franco, a relaxation and guided imagery specialist. I've designed an app, Imagery Work, to relieve stress and improve mood, coping, and performance. My sensory meditations are easy to use and promote fast, effective relief from stress in the body and anxious thinking. Imagery Work includes tracks for special challenges, relieve caregiver stress, defeat dental fear, stress-free bride, coping with anxiety with multiple sclerosis, mastering test anxiety, and many wellness tracks as well. To download imagery work, go to Apple Store or Google Play. To learn more about guided imagery, visit imageryWork.com. To access imagery work, go to App Store or Google Play. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Imagine That. If you have a question or comment about our show or would like to share a story about how your imagination has helped you, send an email to Franco at yahoo.com. That's Dr. M. E. Franco at yahoo.com. Now, back to Imagine That. Welcome back to Imagine That. I'm your host, Dr. Miriam Franco. My guest is abstract artist Marianne Mitchell, who teaches artists and non-artists to activate their artistic expression to promote personal reflection, adaptability, and innovation. In our last segment, uh, Marianne, I had um, wondered about where people can go to participate in this wonderful artist mastery process, your artist mastery guide. And you had mentioned there are workshops you'll be doing in the upcoming months um, in the States, uh, which sounds wonderful. And I had um, found myself wondering, oh, well, if people are local to Philadelphia where you now reside, I guess they could go and do this at any time. Um, And then I realized that I might be mistaken. Can you clarify um, how people can engage in this particular artist mastery guide process with you, whether they attend one of the workshops you're doing in different parts of the country um, this year? Yes, most of the people I'm working with, I do through video conferencing. I have clients all around the country and in Canada. And so they send me images of their work and uh, we have a video conference. I share my screen with their work on the screen and we talk about their paintings and their process. And there's always an element of personal coaching involved in this process as well. So people find themselves having um, roadblocks and, and issues that always require conversation outside of just 
critiquing the work. And it works quite well. And then there's always a, uh, an in-person component to each program, to the one-year, to the three-month program. And I either go to the artist I'm working with or they travel to where I am. How wonderful. You know, it's just amazing what we can do with the Internet these days. It is. It really yeah. is. So we, there's so much we could talk about, Marianne, but I, I want to make sure before we end our um, podcast today that I get to ask you about this rather unique experience I believe you had teaching Drexel University School of Medicine students how to paint. And um, it's not something that I imagine most medical students have time to think about in medical school. I imagined uh, it was something they were required to take. And um, you may have had a few that were initially resistant, but I'm so curious about what that process was like and what the end results were for those students. Yes, thank you, Miriam. Uh, it, it all happened because of uh, outside-the-box vision from a friend of mine, Dr. Stephen Rosenzweig, who headed up the Medical Humanities Department at Drexel Medical School, which is a unique curriculum in that the medical school has a department of humanities, medical humanities, where each student is required to take a certain amount of electives in that department. So my course, The Practice of Making Abstract Art, was one of the electives. And Steve put the program in because he believed in what I was talking about and felt that it was worth offering. And so I did it for five years, and every single year there was a waiting list for the class. I bet. And, and word, you know, probably caught on. Um, but, you know, are there any particular anecdotes or... Um what Personal I, statements that stood out from students? Yes, it was fascinating to see, particularly the male students who um, had never really gotten in touch with this other side of themselves and took the course because they thought it would be easy and they could just fly right on through and it was a no-brainer kind of thing. They didn't have to take it seriously and they did find themselves taking it seriously and the self-discovery process along the way was huge because and this one guy from china said you know i've never been able i never knew i had this in me and this <laughs> is really quite astonishing you know <laughs> um, I had another guy say to me i've been on the track to be the best and the top and the brightest for my entire life and I've never been in an experience where it doesn't, it's not about winning or being or getting an A. It's about my own personal expression. It's, I've never had this experience before. Isn't it wonderful, wonderful to create a space for them to just lean into? It really, really was. And I was astonished at the caliber of art that was coming out of these people who had never made art before in their entire life. I mean, some of them were really quite beautiful paintings. It's always amazing to me in my work um, with people who are very anxious. Um, and when I have to teach them to help them, you know, not just lower their anxiety, but once they can do that, they can go back in and interact with their own imagery and, and, um, and, and using their senses to um, interact with 
what's distressing to them. I always find that they're so amazed that they can relax and can do this. And I always find myself saying to them, well, you know, I find very anxious people have a very active imagination. They're just not doing it in their right brains. (laughs) That's right. But they don't don't think they've got it, you know, because they don't really know what it is or have been exposed to it. They've never been given the opportunity or the door has never been opened for them on their life's trajectory thus far. And what was one of the greatest things that came out of this is that two students – had their practicum following my class where they had to go out in the field and do something and then come back and give a report. And two separate students, unbeknownst to, unbeknownst to each other doing this, chose to do their report through making an abstract painting as opposed to writing a report. Oh, what a testament to your teaching process with them. And Steve, so as a result of that, Steve and myself and one of these students ended up writing an article for the Academic Medical Journal about this whole process. It was really quite exciting. It sounds very exciting. Um, Do you think you'll come back to doing this again with uh, medical students? I would like to, Miriam. I have talked to other medical professionals and schools and the right alignment of... um, curriculum and resources and vision and time right time has yet to occur at another place and then I moved to Denver during this whole time and I came back for two of those years after I moved and it just got to be too unwieldy so I stopped and now that I'm back in Philadelphia it's only been a couple of months I you know if they're interested I I would certainly consider doing it again Well, it sounds like a wonderful gift and experience. I want to thank you so much today for joining us, Marianne. Um, I found this process just so intriguing. And I think anyone out there who is an artist already or would like to become an artist or more of a painter they would like to be, I encourage you to visit Marianne Mitchell's website, www.artistmasteryguide.com and to see um, Marianne's full portfolio, you can visit that at www.mariannemitchell.com. It's been such a pleasure, Marianne. I hope you do get another opportunity to teach medical students this wonderful process and experience. And uh, for all my listeners today, Uh, Please tune in next week to Imagine That. Um, My next guest on October uh, 1st will be Peggy Huddleston, a pioneer in mind-body medicine who will review her Prepare for Surgery Heal Faster program. Until next time, Imagine That. Thank you for taking a deeper look into your imagination with Dr. Miriam Franco. Please join us for another episode of Imagine That next Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tap into your imagination this week.
stress with guided imagery. I'm Dr. Franco, a relaxation and guided imagery specialist. I've designed an app, Imagery Work, to relieve stress and improve mood, coping, and performance. My sensory meditations are easy to use and promote fast, effective relief from stress in the body and anxious thinking. Imagery Work includes tracks for special challenges, relieve caregiver stress, defeat dental fear, stress-free bride, coping with anxiety with multiple sclerosis, mastering test anxiety, and many wellness tracks as well. To download Imagery Work, go to Apple Store or Google Play. To learn more about guided imagery, visit imageryworkcom To access Imagery Work, go to App Store or Google Play.